So for inclusive marketing to work, it has to be embedded into the way that your business operates and the way your brand operates on a consistent basis over the long term. Now, whenever you're getting started, you know, you might want to just kind of stick your toe in the water and dowel in and and just kind of start trying things to get your feet wet um, so you don't have to wait and make it this big formal thing. I totally get that. However, what I want you to start thinking about as you think about how to build an inclusive brand that consistently makes the people that you serve and the people that you want to serve feel like they belong with you, you've got to find a way to incorporate inclusive marketing into your business plan, into the key results that you're trying to achieve, into everything that your team is working on. Inclusion has to be focused there. And it needs that level of integration in your business to be most effective and to be sustainable over the long term. So today in this episode, we're going to talk all about, and we're going to get deep, we're going to get into the nitty gritty of this, how to incorporate inclusive marketing and serving all the customers that you want to serve, including those with identities that don't fall into what is considered to be quote unquote mainstream We're going to talk about how to incorporate that into your business planning process so that you can drive business results, so that you can make this the way that you just do business, and so that you can gain greater revenue and make a bigger impact. So after this short break, you're going to hear my discussion with my good friend, Christina Griffin, a business planning consultant and strategist. So you're going to want to tune into this discussion. It's really actionable, really insightful, and really practical. So I'll talk to you on the other side. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, my name is Christina Griffin. Let's see, I'm a former lab rat turned biopharmaceutical marketer and business development executive turned business and strategic planning consultant. (laughs) And and I also would like to add designer to that, um, to that title. Um, But um, so at my core, really, I'm a problem solver. And so I've always really been good at at two things. So abstract thinking and process. Uh, So because of that, I've kind of um, have my own strategic planning consultancy. Um, So I'm the founder and managing director of the Griffin Concept, and we're based in Washington, D.C., Nice, nice. Well, we're going to have a great conversation about strategic planning and we're going to make it so sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's it's actually more than sexy. It is fundamental. It's foundational. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Yes. All right. Well, let's go ahead. Um, the reason why I want to talk about this is 
Now is the time of year where a lot of people are starting to do business planning. If your fiscal year, so sort of, I guess, is the end of the year, a lot of people start their planning for what they're going to do now. At least whenever I was in corporate, we spent our entire summer doing this. Yeah. Um, so even if it's not your time, whenever it is your time to do business planning, I think this will be a great resource for you. But I wanted to just kind of start off with why should inclusive marketing be incorporated into the business planning process? I know I have my own thoughts, but I'd like to hear it from your point of view. Sure. So in terms of like the work that I do, I actually do a lot of business planning. Um, Mostly I get tapped to do business and brand planning, both from like a where do we start perspective, as well as like developing processes to like refresh the business plan, growth planning. And I've done this with like biotech startups as small as 20 people up to like multi-million dollar healthcare brands with like GSK, AstraZeneca, UCB. I've done it with creative agencies. So I feel like I can speak to this, um, especially it is as it is a hot topic um, nowadays. So when we think about business planning, it really needs to focus on defining the choices that most impact your customer because your customer is ultimately what's going to drive your revenue and your and connect your brand or your business if that your business is your brand. And as I said, I've seen lately a real shift um, with the clients I've worked with with regards to business planning. They have more of a desire to have a more customer centric or like in healthcare, like patient centric to have like more customer centric plans. So where everything is kind of revolving around the needs and wants of the end customer. So, I mean, ultimately, no matter what industry or market or, you know, wherever you are, none, no one has a monolithic customer. No one, right? And so this is why inclusive marketing is so important. And it really is important in terms of business planning process. It's actually at the core and the foundation. And I know we'll talk a little bit about that. But because identifying and prioritizing your target customer is a really big part of the business planning process, it's really important to understand the elements of inclusive marketing to incorporate into building some of those customer profiles. So again, this idea of inclusivity, if you are focusing on your customer and you're building your plan around your customer, it's got to include inclusivity, if I may use that term. No, no, no. But it sounds like, I, I think it's great the way you described it because what you are talking about doing is how to bake, basically taking inclusive marketing as like a thing and making it not a thing and just making it, this is the way we operate. We exactly. are an inclusive brand, which is the importance of building an inclusive brand. And you can't have an inclusive brand if it's not a part of your strategic plan. Absolutely. It cannot be an afterthought. It's not a Band-Aid. It's not an accessory. It's not something you put on after to like make it shine and glitter. It really has to be a part of, it's one of the ingredients, right? That goes into the the dough of making the bread or making the cake, right? it's It's a core piece. And as you go through your business planning process, you'll see there are multiple elements of where you can bring that to bear. Absolutely. All right. So um, this kind of goes into, like, as I've been talking to business leaders about building an inclusive brand, people, like, they get it, they nod their head, and we've been working on this um, in terms of, like, how to get them started. I tend to like to help people think through it in terms of their values as a company, as a brand, Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of flow from there. I know that's not often where people want to start because it feels very like, why why are we starting here? But um, I wanted to get your point of view on how business planning can help even like pull values through or get people to start thinking about how are we going to build an inclusive brand, not just 
some specific tactics, et cetera. Yeah, no, you make an excellent point because it does have to be baked into the mission and into the values. And there are some companies that do that really great. And like they they do it so well, you don't even know it. You know, think about Disney, think about like Johnson and Johnson consumer, you know, like all the, like the baby products Um, or even Coke. Like these are companies that have it baked into their mission and their values. And so what you will find that as you're going through your business planning process, your business planning is actually just pulling through. It it is a, it, it is built from the, the foundation, or I guess I'm thinking of like a tree <laughs> using this. If you think about your mission, your values are here. Your business plans are actually kind of flowing out of that. Yeah. And so if you want to think about how to incorporate into your business plans, in addition to the fact that it has to connect back to the mission, is really kind of in the first steps of business planning. So a part of that process is one, understanding your market and two, understanding your customer. And so if you're really doing that right, then your blinders are off, right? You're looking under every rock. You're looking in every corner to understand and map the full blueprint of where you are operating as a business and who you are operating for. And if you are doing that, just in that exercise, your business is going to uncover opportunities to be more inclusive for those individuals or groups or customers who are really going to drive your revenue and ultimately your financial success. So at the at the beginning steps of your business planning, you're going to be uncovering those insights. And then that naturally should flow through, you know, as you're developing your strategic imperatives, as you're developing your tactics and your initiatives is going to naturally flow through from, from all of that information that you've pulled together in mapping out your market and mapping out your customer. Nice. Now you talked about like, everything revolving around your customer and within the framework for that I have for building an inclusive brand, what I focus on there is customer intimacy and customer intimacy is every brand's unfair advantage because it gives you sort of this roadmap of what you should be doing. And it gets you thinking about inclusivity because inclusivity is really about serving your customers better, right? And, and understanding the unique and various needs that they have. How is I know you have a framework, and we're going to go through that in a little bit, but what are your recommendations on how to make sure that people are putting that customer as like the center of their universe so they can develop that degree of customer intimacy that will inform what they need to do from a business planning standpoint? Yeah. So, I mean, again, this really just kind of comes down to... um, part of the process is really uncovering those insights. So, I mean, there's kind of these natural marketing frameworks that you use, right? So think about like segmentation, targeting and positioning, right? And so you start with really kind of segmenting your market and your customer and really understanding. And this isn't, and this is not a, this is not a top line exercise of, you know, women of a certain age who live in a certain part of the country or the world or whatever the case is. I mean, you're building like actual, like detailed profiles around your customers, really understanding what motivates them. There's a lot of behavioral science too, with regards to if you think about customers and even inclusive marketing, it's not just about what they do or what they say they want, but it's almost even kind of, you know, in terms of how they think um, and how they feel, how they want to feel. Cause you're right. There's like this intimacy that you can build. There's kind of a, a thing about going, you know, into positioning, there's a place in the mind of the customer that you can really own. Um, and again, that really comes from a fundamental understanding of the customer. Now, you know, business planning, a lot of times we look at that as being a very inward thing. You know, it's like, okay, this is my business. I need to take a look at my business and kind of think about it in a vacuum. 
I remember I said before, you have to have the blinders off, right? You've got to like actually open yourself up, which means you're probably going to do a little research, right? You're going to have to do a little digging and a little bit of work because when you're doing business planning, even though eventually you come to this very centered, my business focus, it actually has to come from a place of looking at what's happening in your particular industry and in your market, what's happening with your competitors, what's happening even in the world of your customer, you know, if your customers are living in a certain part of the country or the world, what's what what are what's happening to them, right? What's affecting them? Um, you have to kind of start very big and broad and then eventually kind of bring it back to your business. Got it. No, that makes perfect sense. All right. Now, um, as you're getting to a point to where we're building an inclusive brand, right? We're incorporating into our plans. We're writing it down. Or it's an extension of our values. We're developing a deeper degree of customer intimacy. This might be new for a brand in terms of how they operate. Like it might be a big change for them. Um, and change can be hard from a business standpoint. Um, change is hard, period, as people. But um, at layer that on to, you know, this is something that we're changing in a new direction for our brand and the next evolution of it. How would you recommend that leaders help shepherd their team through this process? Um, because I think it's going to be, for some people, very foreign to what they're used to. So it's one thing to have a plan. It's another thing to get people to like break out of what they're used to doing um, so that they can actually follow through and pull the plan through. So what what do you advise people to do? As a yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think there's kind of multiple pieces to that. So um, I'll try to break this up into bullets. So one... So what leadership can do. So one leadership, as I think I said before, like the, like the, the business planning flows out of the mission and the vision and the core values, the leadership sets that, right? So um, leadership really sets those mission, the, the vision and the core values. Business planning is something that's kind of done bottom up. If you want to think about, you know, mission, vision down, yeah. business planning up. Um, and so for leadership to set that mission and vision into the point you had made before, making sure that we have inclusivity in kind of baked into the DNA of the company, in our mission, in our vision, in our core values, that will automatically kind of, it should be kind of pulled through in terms of the business planning process. I think the second thing is really in terms of when we're thinking about, because I, I know that there are a lot of people who may think, as I'm building my business plan and I have to come up with these strategic imperatives, do I have to have a strategic imperative that's really focused in on inclusion? Well, not necessarily. So one of the things that leadership can do is really ensure that inclusion is one of the outputs of the business plan. So inclusion is really an output of growth, right? And so most business plans are really focused in on well, maintaining or growing business, most of them growing business, right? And so when you think about growth, we're talking about, you know, whether it's expanding your offerings or investing to deepen engagement or even adding in different customers. So if you really want to focus on growth, you really need to have inclusion baked into that growth strategic imperative, right? And so there is another way if you if you have a growth strategic imperative, which you should, that means that you have inclusion kind of baked in as part of that. So kind of included as part of the strategic drivers that come out of that imperative. Or even if we think about, you know, key performance indicators or metrics that we're going to be looking at. Um, so there could be as an expectation set by leadership that we need to see some inclusive strategic drivers or KPIs um, coming out of those plans. 
So here's an important distinction, and we're going to dive into your framework in a second. But um, I've talked to some business leaders, some students, and I know that there have been some people who experience the frustration of they want to take their business in this direction of building an inclusive brand, thinking about including more people, thinking more about belonging. But there has been some resistance from the team that already is there because some people feel like because of not just what's going on within companies, but what's happening in society at large, that diversity, inclusion, and belonging is being shoved down their throats. Mm-hmm. And, um, they Maybe it goes against their values. They just don't get it. They don't understand it. That's something that shouldn't be ignored. It is something that needs to be dealt with. On the other hand, as we think about enrolling people into this process, when you're connecting inclusion to a growth imperative, sometimes that is the language that some people need to get the light bulb moment to click, to see that it's not necessarily something that's political. It's not necessarily something that, you know, is being shoved down your throat because this is the politically correct thing to do or whatever. And I'm talking, I'm saying these as these are attitudes that people have that I've seen people write about, that I've seen people talk about. But whenever it's positioned as this is a growth lever, I think it takes away for some people some of the negative stigma associated with diversity, inclusion, belonging work. And I think that can make it, let's say, I don't want to use, use the word palatable because it's not like we're trying to make everybody feel good. We're trying to enroll people in the process. So I think right, right. people to get enrolled, they need something more concrete versus this is a morally good thing to do. Um, yeah. Because if they're not there emotionally, mentally, morally, whatever, they're not, they might not feel like they're going to get on board, but if it's like, oh, we're going to make more money because of this, and this is the right thing to do for the business. Okay. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. So I'm going to say something that is very unpopular. Uh, And so, you know, we, we worked at one of these companies together. So I know, you know, what I'm about to say the P word profit. (laughs) It's a very bad word. Um, It's a very unpopular notion, but at the end of the day, businesses have to make money. Right. And as I said before, customers drive your revenue. A lot of companies want to think I drive my revenue, right? By the products I put out there or my services or the pricing. No, no, no. You drive costs. You can control your costs. What you can't control is your revenue and what your customers or your clients buy. They control that. At the end of the day, all businesses need revenue and they need to make money. And you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, and I've seen this, um, I will use... Pepsi as an example. <laughs> um, I, I didn't work at Pepsi, but I had a friend who worked at Pepsi and he was telling me about this campaign that they had had. It was around Mountain Dew and they were trying to expand Mountain Dew. They were trying to grow Mountain Dew because they feel like they had tapped out the market, right? They're like, we got like the skater kids and the punk kids and like, yeah, we got those, but we need to actually grow. So how do we grow? Well, we need brown kids. We need Latinos. We need African-Americans. Well, they don't drink Mountain Dew. How do we get them to drink Mountain Dew? So it was it was kind of one of those things where it naturally it kind of turned into a diversity and inclusion, right? How do we get kind of bring these other communities, other, these other populations into the fold um, and how they did it was, you know, doing their market research and identifying that um, actually people of African-American and Latin descent, um, they don't really like green drinks, but they really like red drinks. 
And so if you remember like, what was it like Red Alarm or Red Alert Mountain Dew? That was actually created in, with diversity in mind. That was created for a particular market, right? At the end of the day, you're absolutely right. The diversity and inclusion, um, whether you know it feels good or it doesn't feel good, it has to be tied to the bottom line. And everything that goes into business planning, and we'll kind of get to that with the process, at the end of the day, it's metrics. At the end of the day, it's it's forecast, it's PL, it's what we can measure. It's ultimately what's going to grow our business, keep our business, hurt our business. Um, and all of that is measured in dollars or pounds or euros or you know wherever it is that you live. And so ultimately, if you can find, if you are looking at your customers and you are finding an opportunity for inclusivity and that, that ultimately is going to be good for your business, then that's something that may make it a little bit more palatable. But at the end of the day, as we'd said before, going back to the patient-centric or customer-centric point of view, your customer, because they drive your revenue, they are the most important thing. And so if you understand your customer, the whole spectrum of your customer, again, no base is a monolith, not even neo-Nazis, and it sounds crazy, not even all neo-Nazis are the same, right? They don't all like, like the same things or want the same things. You really have to understand the spectrum of your customer base in order to be inclusive of all of the customers that you have, the customers you want, in order to, to create you know, a, a plan that is going to meet that need and ultimately get you to the outcome that you want to get to. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, and I want to just say, some people might hear what your example about Pepsi and their desire to market to brown kids and black kids and be like very angry and upset and feel like it's exploitative. The thing that I want you to take from that is if that example bothers you, the important thing that take from it is the process that they went through. They started from a point of growth and they said, okay, who can we target to grow? And if you think about how can, if you use a strategic question, how do we grow our brand and think about the people who aren't using your brand today, but who could be great candidates to use your brand. And then you get to know them. You develop a deep degree of intimacy for them. You will identify how to best serve their needs to get them to buy from you. That's the thing is think about that process because it's a process that is proven and it's worked and you can use it for good. And it you grows your revenue and they did grow <laughs> double, double digits. I think as I believe it, I don't remember the exact number. Again, I didn't, I wasn't, business I worked on, but. Right. All right. Well, we keep alluding to this framework. Let's go ahead. And I want to walk through this um, business planning framework that you have that people can be using to help incorporate inclusivity into their brand. I mean, uh, this, what I'm about to say is not rocket science. So apologies if you feel condescended to, um, <laughs> but ultimately business planning framework. I mean, you can put in less steps or more steps. I really define it as five steps. So the first one is really defining the market opportunity and your brand vision. So like where we are, where, where we are right now and like why we're here. So a lot of this again is going to be driven from the company vision, from our, the company mission. We've got the brand vision, our core values. Ultimately, it's really kind of understanding the space we're in. So remember I talked about, you know, starting big and being very holistic. What is the actual market opportunity? So whether we're thinking about our business, thinking about a product, thinking about a brand, where's their white space in that particular market, you know, to kind of like kind of narrow down those opportunities. What's the competitive landscape look like in terms of our competitors? So those are kind of areas, and you can see where the stars are, are really where we start, when we start thinking about inclusivity 
and making sure that we're looking with an inclusive lens. These are kind of the places where we can do that as we're looking at the broadness of the market or the narrowness of the market, as we're looking at those opportunities, even as we're looking at our competitors and what our competitors may be doing from an inclusive standpoint. Um, The next step is really discovering insights about the market and your customers. And so this right here is probably the most important. I know that this is what we've talked about being very customer centric, but really digging in and understanding your customer. Who are those individuals that we're trying to reach and what do they need to see in here, right? How do, what do we want to be to them and how do we need to engage with them? So that requires really understanding their unmet needs, you know, kind of understanding what the segments of the market are, who are those segments that we're actually going to be prioritizing. And again, building those profiles and they need to be rich and robust. It's not just, you know, Mary, who's 35 to 45 and lives in, the suburbs, you know, we want to kind of build a richness there, right? It can be Mary, or maybe it's Bob, or maybe it's, you know, a person who sees themselves as like in, in the they, them, um, you know, it could be a gay person, you know, a, in your gay demographic, it could be, you know, in the Asian demographic. So we really want to kind of build those profiles to be as robust as possible. Again, being as inclusive as to all the customers that we really think exist and then the ones we want to target. And then we go into step three, which is really developing our strategy and critical success factors. So this is kind of where we take everything we've done from step one and two, and you build out that brand strategy, right? You build out your imperatives. So now that we know where we are, where the opportunities are, who our key customers are, here is kind of our plan in terms of how to reach those customers. So your positioning, your strategic drivers, all of that comes in here. Um, then after that, after you created your strategy, the next thing is to really design your key initiatives, your targets, and your KPIs. So this is in terms of like, what do we need to do and how do we know we're going to be doing it right? So we you know what our deliverables are, what are our key initiatives, in simple terms, what our tactics are, and then what are going to be the, me- the metrics that we're going to measure our success by, right? Our KPIs. Are there any risks that we should be looking out for, right? Any mitigation plans, anything that we think may be popping up that would you know, make us have to turn 90 degrees in the middle of the year kind of thing. And then finally, it's all about deploying, right? So identifying what are those resources that we really need to do to activate that plan. So is our structure, our operating structure, you know, aligned with actually enacting this business plan, what our marketing plan is, right? And so again, thinking about that inclusive bit. Now the customer is being, you know, kind of threaded throughout all of this, of course. Our media and outreach plan, um, thinking about the financials, right? Our PL, our forecasts, what our cost planning is. Um, that kind of gets down to the bread and butter. We think about like business, business. But all of this, um, again, being very customer-centric, kind of being very much led by what the customer wants, what the customer needs, how we want to engage with them, and really kind of identifying all of those different areas where we can we can make sure that, that that is included in this business planning process. Yeah, I like this because it, it provides people a roadmap of how to go through and think through this. It allows people also to bring their team along with them to think about the rigor of what goes into this and help them to sort of co-create plans that um, make sense for growing the business. And it doesn't kind of feel like you said, top down, this is what we're doing and deal with it, right? Um, It's both top down from a value standpoint, but it's aligned and it's bottom up from a team as they're creating it. It's like, okay, this is how we're going to grow. I love that. And because it also provides, I guess, a natural next step to how to make it 
part of people's daily work that you can hold them accountable to and measure them. It's not like you have to make sure that every piece of photography that you put in there is inclusive by blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that can be something that feels like you're forcing it in, but whenever it's connected to very specific things that you have in the business plan, it's not a far stretch of how can we incorporate inclusivity and measure them into your values. It's, this is what we said that we're going to do to grow our business. And here are the key things that you need to do as part of your work. And it's a very natural aspect of holding you accountable to that because it just makes sense for the business. Exactly. Right. And, and to your point, the point you made before, it's all about what makes sense for the business. Right. And if this is something I'm not, I'm not going to say not every business, but it, it's, it's going to make sense for every business. These are the type of questions, these are the type of things that you should be thinking about, no matter what your product, no matter what your service, again, your customer base is going to be diverse. And so that means that as you think about your customer and you are building a business for that customer, that that also needs to like, it needs to reflect them. It needs to reflect that, that level of diversity. Absolutely. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs in a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. So another thing that I've heard um, some of the folks in the program talk about, and even people who have a B2B type business who not only want to build an inclusive brand for them, but they want to help their clients build an inclusive brand. This might be something that their clients are asking them for, or it might be something that the client isn't even thinking about, but that as their strategic partner, they can bring it up and help them with that. So what are your thoughts on how people can be thinking about how to introduce, whether it's this framework or inclusive marketing services or getting their clients to be thinking about how to build their own inclusive brand and sort of sell that into them. Yeah. Um, I have at least one client that's exploring this very option, <laughs> trying to like create inclusive marketing services. Um, I have had actually discussions with them in the last two weeks about this as they're going through their business planning process. Yeah. So I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record, but, but it's true. Is it, you can bring everything back to the customer. So if you are a business and you're working with another business and you want to make sure that they are including inclusive marketing or that they are, um, you know, kind of, you want to open that door with them, you know, talk to them about who their customers are, right. And what their customers look like. And, you know, because again, that that's really what it all comes down to. We're not trying to build inclusivity because again, all of our customers are, you know, like why guys named Brad from Rhode Island. That's, you know, 
every single business, every single, whether you're again, service, product, no matter what it is you're selling or providing, you have a diverse customer base. And so I think if you can have, if you can help them understand their customer, then that is an open, a way to open the door around inclusive marketing and kind of, you know, if you want to start doing like inclusive marketing service, it's all very, very customer based. I will say that it's funny because I have had to work, I've worked with a number of different clients who, who are not thinking again, they have their blinders on and they're thinking about like, this is my business and this is what we do. And, you know, they have a very kind of narrow um, myopic point of view. And I do feel like that there is, there is something to be said about bringing in an outside a third party, a more objective consultant like myself. This is why, (laughs) this is why I I work Um, to kind of look at um, your business because sometimes when you're in it, let me back up. Business planning needs to be a very objective process. You need to look at it dispassionately, right? And a lot of people, if you're too close to your businesses, and I have worked, like I'm working with a small biotech right now, who's like 50 people and they are in their bubble, right? They cannot get outside of their bubble. And sometimes when you're really close to it, it's kind of hard to see outside opportunities where you feel really emotional, you feel very attached. Business planning has to be a very detached process. And sometimes it can help when other folks, when third parties kind of come in and help you look at it you know, with the blinders off and look at it, you know, outside of the lens that you're looking at. So if you are thinking about trying to help someone with inclusive marketing, bring it back to the customer, bring it back to the the customer and the bottom line. Again, those two things are very connected. Customer and revenue, very much connected. And if you can connect those dots, sometimes they will allow you to say, they'll say, okay. And they'll maybe kind of, you know, back off of their emotional attachment a little bit to what they want to do and understand that there is more opportunity when you think a bit bigger uh, and a bit broader. And it sounds like also a great starting point because we're always, we're, we're elevating and keeping the customer in the center is helping them to find who that customer is. Yes. I think a lot of times a brand will get so used to focusing on who they think their customer is. And not to say that their customer is somebody different, but they might have too narrow of a definition of who that customer is. So in your process of figuring out, okay, how can we help them be more inclusive? I think a great starting point is to expand their horizons about who their customer is who is an ideal candidate for their products, services, and experiences. And once they help them expand and think through, oh, it's not just this one person. It's not just A or B. It's A, B, C, D, and X, Y, and Z. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they may be right, right? Like they may be right in focusing on that one customer, but they're not all the way right, right? right. They're, they're here, but they're missing the rest of the street. It's like, no, you're right. But you could be more right, if you will, right? If you can add in more of that. And again, some sometimes it's it's harder for when you're in it to kind of focus in on those customers because you have something in your head to your point. And this is, again, you look at that business planning process and part two, like one and two, is all about getting outside of your company, getting outside of your head and like seeing like what are really all the possibilities and all the opportunities and then starting to narrow it down to what makes sense for your business. Yeah, because again, when I say inclusive marketing, what I'm not saying is that you suddenly have to serve everybody. You don't <laughs> have to do that, right? It's yeah. about being intentional about who you're going to choose to serve and who you're not. 
Now, the idea is that you probably could serve a broader group and be inclusive, but it does not mean <laughs> that you now have to serve everybody and their mama and their grandmama too. Right, right. And that's where the prioritization comes in, right? That's where the segmentation comes in. It's like, you know, you can have 10 segments of potential customers out there. Yeah. But if you look at your product and your service, you say, actually, it's these three. Maybe I was just focusing on that one because I thought that one was my sweet spot when actually it's three out of the 10, right? Yeah, you're right. It's not about being everything to everybody. You've got to stay in, the, again, this is kind of where the mission, mission and the vision because everything, you want to stay in your sweet spot. Right. If you do chocolate, don't try to do gummy bears. Right. Don't go <laughs> gummy bear people. You do chocolate. Great. Do that. Like, you know, focus in on your sweet spot, but also understand that the type of people who are going to like chocolate, there's not just one type of person that likes chocolate. Right. And then and the making sure that you are including all of those people that you feel like are going to be the right ones that you want to connect to your brand or that are going to have a connection and you want to engage. I think you used a very important word, intentional. Everything about business planning is intentional. None of it is an accident. It is all on purpose. It is all with purpose. And it is all kind of focused in on a tailored outcome to get to I know you, the P word profit to get, to get, to get, to get to profit that, that everything, everything in that funnel is that's what that's leading is leading to, but it is incredibly intentional and your inclusive activities and your inclusive marketing is, is no different. A, a good example of what we were talking about is like staying in your lane, but just expanding who you're talking to. There was this New York times article that I loved. It was talking about how the craft beer market is expanding beyond only marketing to white dudes with beards, right? Um, Because they realized, hey, we're good with this one segment that we've been focusing on, but if we only focus on them, we're never going to grow. So they started um, hiring, like, um, I think it's a craft beer association. They brought in a diversity consultant and Um, She helped them with a lot of work. So then they started expanding to women. They discovered that, oh, women like craft beer too. They expanded to Black people. Black people like craft beer too. The American Indian population, the Latinx population, they started expanding to all these groups and marketing to them specifically because they got to know them. And they started seeing really great results. And the consumption of craft beer for all of these groups rose significantly just because they started marketing to them. Yeah. It's expanded who their product could be for beyond what they were currently doing. And it was, it, it just had really great results. Right. Exactly. And, you know, and some of those people, some of those women were probably already drinking craft beer, right? And some of those black people were probably already drinking craft beer. But when you start to set that intention and be intentional about including them, you know, in terms of like whether that is marketing campaigns or social media, or even in terms of, like, you know, again, like some of the initiatives that you put forward, you know, it, it then it makes it then then you have the opportunity opportunity to even expand into those people who may not have even thought about craft beer, but who's thinking or like in terms of, of the type of customer they are are exactly the type of customer you want they maybe just didn't look like or have the profile that you thought they would. Right. So just one other thing on this, and then I want to move on because there's so many other things I want to make sure. <laughs> so I did a, a research study, the representation in marketing, um, what your customers want you to know. And there was a verbatim that came back. I think it was from an older white male 
who was not married and didn't have any kids. And he's like, I've got a lot of disposable income and nobody markets to me. And he was just like, I'm waiting. I've got all this money. I'm just sitting here waiting for somebody to just like see me and market to me. And like, here, I've got it all for you. Right. right. Um, and I think that a lot of customers feel that way. I'm like, you're only going to get my money if you act like I exist. And then, you know, once you cater to me and like, then yeah, I'll then- be your customer. I'll be loyal to you. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How do you advise people? Because again, business planning is fantastic. And I remember going through, we put together this really crackerjack plan. And then two months into the year, the plan blows up because something happens and we just go back to lying by the seat of our pants or doing what what we've always done. And the months that we spent creating this really great plan is just out the door. So how do you advise people to actually work the plan that they built and not like return back to what they're used to doing, especially if it's something that's very new? Yeah, no, no, it's, it's a good question. Um, yeah. So people ask me all the time of like, you know, business planning and they want to, they want to blow it up in the middle. Don't do it. Don't do it. So, um, so I, let me, let me just kind of speak to why it's important to not do that. Um, and then, and then I can kind of speak through the the process that I, like when I explain to people or actually kind of how I help them, I kind of help them future proof their business plans, if you will. So I'm a military brat, Sonia, as you know, and there's an expression, my dad uses it constantly, peony, peony, plan and execute, right? That's, that's kind of like the thing in the military, plan and execute. It's very applicable to any business, right? So you plan and... You execute, you don't just plan and then plan some more and then plan again, right? Because you're constantly, then then nothing ever gets done. So the whole point of the business planning process and why, again, you take this holistic view, you have to be objective about it. You have to be intentional, sometimes ruthless about what you're focusing on. You go through that, you have to trust that process, right? And I think that even in two, and I'll, I'll get to this in terms of like how you do the business plan, like you have to trust that process and you have to trust it enough to execute on it. Because if you're not executing on it, right, you're not actually following through with doing the initiatives you said you would or the deliverables, then you're never going to see the results, right? The, the, the outcomes, the whole point of why we have KPIs and we have metrics and we have a forecast is because we, we, we get to the end and we see, okay, are we green? Like, do we do good? Do we not do anything? Did we do bad? We have to be able to measure at some point in time. And so if you don't trust the process and you don't actually execute, plan and execute, don't execute on the plan, you'll never, ever know if that was a good plan. You'll never, ever know where you really did great, where you exceeded and you need to do more or where you need to make some adjustments. You're never going to figure that out and do the next plan and the next plan if you never actually get to the point where you've executed and you've measured. So in terms of like how I help people with this. So the first thing I do, I always include, you know, we do business planning, as you said, and it's different times of the year, depending on where your fiscal year is. Sometimes this is in the summertime. Some people like to do it at the end of the year. Some people like to do it at the beginning of the year, which I think is a bit weird if your fiscal year starts in January, but you know, sure, whatever. Uh, I would, I always include, or at least quarterly reviews, right? So having almost like a KPI scorecard that you, once you finish your business plan, you have all your KPIs, you need to have a one snapshot, right? A one place you can go to kind of see, yes, we're tracking, we're doing well on this. I use a, a traffic light system, like red, yellow, green, right? Um, but you have to have at least quarter, quarterly reviews to really assess and track where your plan is, right? And if there's any 
new information. I know that sometimes it happens. As a matter of fact, I have a client who, um, yeah, it's a respiratory brand, a global client in healthcare. I won't say what company, but you know, they did their plan six months ago and they actually, now they have a new competitor coming into the market six months from now. And they are like, they want to look at the plan and say, okay, is the plan, is the strategy we have right? And then we assess it and like, mm, actually we need to make some adjustments. So there are times where, you know, like drastic things happen. You have a new competitor, you know, there's a massive upheaval in the market, you know, something big has happened, I don't know, in fabrics or something. I don't know, whatever market you're in, there may be opportunity, but, but if you do those quarterly reviews, it should be time enough in order for you to either be reactive to those things that may be happening or even be proactive, right? So when we did that review in June, it came out, it was like, okay, well, actually with this review, we need to make some adjustments for this competitor that's going to be showing up you know, in January of next year. So if you put in those regular reviews to kind of do that touch base, do your tracking, you can make some adjustments if necessary. But outside of that, I would say you just, you plan and you execute and you track not to really touch the plan. I mean, there's what's the point of, of making the plan if you're just going to change it every three months? And you also have to give it time to work, right? Yes, um, you have to. There are times where I think people want to see immediate results. And especially when you start engaging with a new customer group, and especially customer groups who are kind of skeptical sometimes of brands and like, why are you here? Like, what do you, what do you want? Like you, it takes time to demonstrate and to build trust um, so that you earn their loyalty. It's not something that just happens overnight. And if you just change the plan after like three months and it doesn't work and you're frustrated, then. But, but yeah, and it didn't work in those three months. And maybe if you had let it gone on for eight months or for 12 months, then you would have seen the fruits of it. Right. You, and, but this also has to be baked into the plan. You know, again, being very intentional, if you put out, let's say you're putting out a social media campaign, you know, they're kind of there. There are shelf lives on those things. But, you know, are you expecting everything to change in 24 hours or, you know, is it going to take 10 months or, you know, if we think about even, you know, a human psychology, you know, we talked a little bit about behavioral science to get from someone from like where they are to where you want them to be. It, that takes time and that takes many different touch points, right? That kind of gets built into your marketing plan in terms of your initiatives and your communication plan. And you have to, you're to your point, you have to give that plan time to work. Now, I will say as leaders of your business, you're always going to be looking backwards and forwards, right? Your, your market, your industry is dynamic. Entropy, what was it, the third law of dynamics, like entropy is always increasing. Everything's always going to be changing and everything's going to be in motion, your business included. but if you've put together, if you've really been thoughtful about your plan, then give your plan time. And I will say another thing too, in terms of business planning, in, depending on the industry you're in, you don't have to do a business plan every 12 months. Oh, yeah. You can do it every 18 months or every 24 months. It really depends on your industry, your business and your business plan, right? You can totally have a business plan that takes you out for the next 18 months and then you revisit it in 18 months. But whatever it is that you've put out there, you have to, you know, you build it intentionally, you trust it, you follow through with it, plan and execute yes. and, you know, see, see at the end if it works. Because if you never figure out, yes, that worked, no, that didn't, and then diagnose it, then if you just keep changing it, you'll never ever, you could have had the best million dollar idea, but you didn't give it enough time to actually work. Yeah. I'm with you. Christina, this has been great. Um, 
have more questions, but you know, <laughs> have you back again. Um, any parting words of wisdom for business leaders who want to build an inclusive brand and they want to actually have plans on paper <laughs> baked into their plan, baked into their growth plan that says, this is what we're doing. Like any parting words of wisdom for people who want to do there, they're just not quite there yet. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe this is a little, little bit more philosophical because I think at the end of the day, and you'll share the framework. I mean, if you are maintaining your customer focus, you're going to be doing inclusive marketing. It's going to happen, right? But you need to be intentional about it. You need to actually be inclusive when you're thinking about your customer profiles, when you're thinking about your segments, when you're thinking about those opportunities, you really need to have that, that lens on. But I'll say a couple of things. So one, inclusive marketing cannot be an afterthought, right? I said this before, it's not an accessory. It's not a fad that requires a first mover advantage. So if you weren't there first, it's fine. It's not a, PC, a PSA. It's not a social media blitz. It's, you know, the best companies, I mentioned this before, like Coke, Disney, Nike, they've been doing this for a very long time, right? They've baked it into their DNA. And so if you're handsomely from it, yes, exactly. (laughs) If you bake that into your DNA, if you have it baked into your mission, remember, you know, kind of mission, vision down, business plan up. If you bake it into your mission, into your vision and your core values, then it should permeate throughout your business plans. The other thing I'll say is I think in today's world, inclusive marketing is probably easier than it's ever been. There's so much data and there is such easy access to customers, whether they're patients or users or consumers. There's so many, like, it's so much easy. It's so easy to get access. There's really no excuses to not do inclusive marketing. And then the the last thing I'll say, maybe this is to scare everybody a little bit. I said before, there's really no first mover advantage, right? You don't have to have been the first one in your industry to start thinking about inclusive marketing. But I will say that it is becoming cost of entry, right? What we call like standard of care in healthcare, right? If you aren't doing it, then you've already kind of painted yourself into a corner, right? You've already kind of narrowed your customer base and ultimately you're going to lose to those other competitors that are doing it better. So the question isn't if you should do it, It's how you're going to integrate it into your DNA and execute in a way that aligns with your mission, with your strategic imperatives, quarter on quarter, year after year, getting to your bottom line. In essence, inclusive marketing is the future of marketing. Don't fight the future. (laughs) I mean, you can't fight the future. (laughs) Don't try. (laughs) Thank you, Christina. This has been fabulous. Wonderful, wise words to end on. And we should be talking more about this. There's so much more we can cover. (laughs) There's so much more business planning. I told you it's controversial. It's boring. It's fun. It's like you get to ask all the questions. You get to answer the questions. Yeah. Initially about um, making it sexy, you said making profit is sexy because you can do that. That's that's where a lot of the sexy part comes in. (laughs) Yes. If you're okay with saying the P word, I'm totally fine with the P word. But, you know, a lot of people strike to shy away from it. But if you own a business, that's what you're about. Yes. So, so be about it. Yes. <laughs> One other thing that I think I, I'm, I'm going to stop this, but I think if people just remember, like you said, if you're customer focused, inclusive marketing will just be, and being inclusive will just be something that you do. So I think that's a real big mindset shift that being customer focused will get you there. And if you feel like you're struggling with it, that just means you need to go deeper with your customer 
and probably even expand a little bit of who you think your customer is. But yes, customer focus, like intense, obsessive customer focus will cause you to be inclusive and it won't steer you wrong. Absolutely. Customer equals revenue. Yes. Awesome. Thank you, Christina. Thank you. (laughs) All right. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Christina as much as I did. I will drop a link to the framework that she walked to into the show notes so you can access it easily. And I'm super curious to hear about any takeaways you had about basically being inclusive. You're going to be inclusive naturally if you're focused on your customer if you are a customer obsessed, if you're a business whose goal is to do a better job of serving your customers, and ultimately, like everybody wins when you do that, and especially your bottom line. That's it for today's episode. If you like the show, I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review for it in your podcast player of choice and do share it with your friends, family, and your network. Both of those actions really do go a long way toward helping more people to discover the show. And I like to believe it goes a long way toward helping more people be inclusive, which will impact more people being able to feel like they belong. One other quick question for you before you wrap up is, are you getting the inclusion and marketing newsletter? If not, like really, 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 what are you even doing? Each week I send news, tips, insights, stories, and other insights to help you build an inclusive brand that makes more of the people you serve feel like they belong and that helps you grow. Go to inclusionofmarketing.com newsletter to get signed up. I will also drop a link to it in the show notes for you so you can access it easily. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.